Welcome back to Via the Source, where you can get news about the entire NFL and, of course, the Miami Dolphins. Fins up. Here's Steven, your host. What's up, guys? Today's date is January 1st. I'm Steven Masso. As always, you're listening to Via the Source. Now, first things first, I want to wish everybody a happy new year. 2020 was a rough one for everybody, and I hope everyone is able to have a better 2021 than the year we had last year. On top of that, I want to thank you guys for all the support. The the leap that the podcast took during this past year has been amazing to see, and I'm excited for another year of just talking about the Dolphins with y'all and discussing how the team continues to progress. It really has been a joy to see the turnaround of this franchise. Now, another thing before we begin, there was an awesome column by Barry Jackson and Adam Beasley, and in this column, they kind of dived into a stat about uh, Tua Tungavailoa and his uh, frequency of throwing into tight windows. If you guys know, I've been kind of referring to that a lot so far this season and his aggressiveness per NFL's next-gen stats. Well, in that column, they gave me a shout-out, and that really did mean a lot. It's one of the most rewarding feelings, I think, just getting recognition in, uh, you know, in that kind of fashion. It really did uh, mean a lot, and I hope you guys can check it out. It was an awesome article. So now to begin with the preview here, the Miami Dolphins are on the cusp of that playoff appearance with their last coming back in 2016 and their last playoff win came all the way back in that season of 2000. Now, the Dolphins need one of these several situations to occur this weekend. They could just flat out win against Buffalo and they're in, or they need a loss from Baltimore, who is going up against Cincinnati, or they need a loss from Cleveland, who is going up against Pittsburgh, or they need a loss from Indianapolis, who is going up against Jacksonville, or lastly, they need a loss from Tennessee who is going up against Houston. So you'll notice a lot of those opponents that they need to win aren't the greatest aside from uh, the game where Pittsburgh could be up against Cleveland. Now important to note in that game, Mike Tomlin already came out and said that Mason Rudolph will be the starting quarterback from that uh, for that game. So none of these teams that the Dolphins need to win look like the you know completely promising or guaranteed. So the likelihood of the Dolphins needing a win against this Bills team is still pretty high. Now, when it comes to the Bills, a Bills win would secure them the number two seed. But if they were to lose this game and the Pittsburgh Steelers would win, that would drop the Bills to the number three seed. So there is some incentive for them to win this game, but it's really unknown whether resting their key players will be viewed as more valuable than going out and getting that number two seed. Now, the Miami Dolphins will face off against the Bills this Sunday at Bills Stadium in Orchard Park. New York. The Dolphins are 10 and 5, one win away from a complete turnaround of last year's 5 and 11 record, and the Bills are 12 and 3 and they look as good as ever. They're of course coming off of a dominating win against the New England Patriots, winning that game 38 to 9. So as always, we'll begin with the Miami Dolphins and take a look at the offensive side of the ball. Now, the Dolphins won last week after a late game switch at quarterback and they turned to Ryan Fitzpatrick, who really did put on a heroic performance. Fitzpatrick had 182 yards on three drives, including several huge clutch passes in that game. He entered for Tua Tungavailoa, who was struggling to move the ball, and 
though Tua did have a good completion rate at 77%, he had this underwhelming yards per attempt, extremely underwhelming at only 4.3 yards. After the game, Coach Flores announced that Tua would remain the team's starter. On Thursday morning, though, it was announced that Ryan Fitzpatrick tested positive for COVID and will be placed on the COVID-19 reserve list. The news, of course, means that he is unable to play this week, with next week also appearing to be in jeopardy. The Dolphins activated Jake Rudock from the practice squad after this news. Now, Tua was under harsh criticism after last week's win. He totaled only 94 yards passing, and he really did display a reluctance to push the ball downfield. Tua acknowledged this on Wednesday's press conference. He said, quote, pushing the ball downfield is something that I need to do a better job with, close quote. Now, earlier in the season, offensive coordinator Chan Gailey said that Tua needs to do a better job at recognizing that a receiver may appear to be covered, but he'll actually be open. So this kind of pushes the idea that Tua is actually at fault here for not taking more chances. Now, despite that though, NFL's next-gen stats, they may tell a little bit of a different story. Tua is actually second in the NFL in percentage of throws that are into tight coverage at 22.8%, which again, runs contrary to this idea that he isn't throwing into tight coverage enough. And Fitzpatrick is right behind Tua at 21% of throws going into tight coverage, which to me signals a bigger issue that the team is dealing with. Now, whether it is because of the play calling or because of the weapons that the Dolphins have on offense, creating separation is a massive issue right now for this Dolphins offense. Now, for some perspective here, quarterbacks Russell Wilson and Patrick Mahomes, you know, of course, elite talents, have the fewest percentage of throws into tight coverage, both at under 12%. This ability to throw to open receivers at such a high rate really does prove to be a huge factor in a quarterback's ability to produce. Now, though the separation was an issue that's outside of Tua's hands, the distance he threw the ball last week was undeniably short. In fact, he had the fewest average intended air yards as well as completed air yards last week. In other words, his passes were not traveling far through the air. His pass attempts, you know, beyond the line of scrimmage traveled on average 4.2 yards through the air, whereas Tom Brady's traveled 13.9, Ryan Tannehill's traveled 9.1, and Philip Rivers traveled 10.6. Now, Tua's air yards on completions were even lower at only two yards through the air. Now, of course, the Dolphins last week were without their star receiver, Devontae Parker, who missed the game with a foot injury. Preston Williams is also been missing some time, and Parker's role as that downfield threat proves to be extremely important, so not having him is a huge factor. Now, the Bills' secondary here is one of the more talented ones in the league. They consist of uh, pro bowler Tredavious White, and they have Josh Norman in there, and he's kind of providing depth for the team. It's unknown whether the Bills will elect to rest some of their stars, but having Parker here for this game will be crucial. Now, Parker has found more success against the Bills than any other team in the NFL, as his 590 yards and four touchdowns against them since back in 2015 is the most for him against any team in the NFL. Now, this season, though, Parker's production is considerably lower, even if you, you know, completely remove the injury setbacks he's had. He is averaging 52 yards per game this season, whereas last year he was averaging 75. Last year, Devontae Parker finished the season with 21 catches of 20 plus yards. This season, he only has eight catches of 20 plus yards 
yards. Last year, Parker had seven catches of 40 plus yards. This year, he does not have a single catch of 40 plus yards. Now to move on to the tight end position, Mike Kosicki here will make his second appearance since suffering what appeared to be a pretty serious shoulder injury. Kosicki had a tremendous grab last week, stretching out to make a terrific catch. Though he may not appear to be 100%, that catch really did showcase why he is so valuable to this receiving unit. In the Dolphins' Week 2 matchup against the Bills, Gasicki had a career-high 130 yards with a touchdown. The Bills have allowed 901 yards to tight ends this season, which is the fourth most in the NFL, which is priming Gasicki for yet another solid outing. Now, receiver Lynn Bowden Jr. here, he had a down game last week, coming down with only two catches for eight yards. This week, he could be primed for a bigger performance, seeing as how the Bills have the fourth most missed tackles in all of football, and most of the receptions that they allow are actually pretty short and close to the line of scrimmage. Bowden is already hard to tackle, so he should be in a good position to have a good game here. Now, running back Miles Gaskin was deserving of last week's player of the game, coming down with that huge touchdown reception that kept the Dolphins' chances alive. He would finish the game with 169 total yards and two touchdowns. Now, to stick with the running game here, running back Savon Ahmed had some great performances as the team's lead back when other guys were hurt, but after Gaskin's return, it's really hard to imagine that Ahmed uh, dominates the carries again at some point this season. Ahmed had six carries for two yards last week, and though Gaskin was impressive, I do think their differences in their style and his ability to provide a spark should prevent Ahmed from becoming completely irrelevant. He should be involved, but leading the carries again just seems unlikely. Now, to move on here and take a look at the defensive side of the ball here, the Dolphins' defense has been a force all season. They are first in total points allowed per game, giving up the fewest at only 18.8 points per game. Their 27 takeaways is the most in all of football. Their 40 sacks are ninth in the NFL. They are allowing a completion percentage of 62.9, which is the fifth best in the league. Now, despite their success, the Dolphins' defense is coming off of a performance that had some ups and some downs. Cornerback Byron Jones had a rough outing, allowing 126 yards receiving, including a big 85-yard touchdown to Raiders' Nelson Aguilar. Now, some would claim after the game that Aguilar pushed off of Jones and should have been flagged for offensive pass interference, but that is not what the, the referees determined. On the Raiders' following drive, Carr went to Aguilar again. This time, Jones was flagged for defensive pass interference. The penalty moved the ball 49 yards and really did nearly cost the Dolphins the game. Now, again, many would argue after the game that Jones was unjustly penalized on that play. Now, opposite of Jones, though, quarterback Xavier Howard was his usual elite level self. Howard held Henry Ruggs III to zero catches. He nearly had an interception on a deflection and also broke up a pass in the end zone. Howard was only credited with surrendering 10 yards after that game. Now, to reflect back a little, last time Miami faced Buffalo, Stephon Diggs was covered by Byron Jones, but after Jones left with an injury, Miami elected to put rookie Noah Igbenogany on Diggs, who really did torch him all game. Now, it would be shocking if Howard isn't shadowing Diggs in this game, you know, again, if Diggs does indeed play. So, of course, going from a rookie to the best cornerback in football would be a tremendous difference, so keep that in mind. Now, safety Eric Rowe had been solid all season, but the two best 
tight ends in football really did get the best of him. After surrendering a huge day to Travis Kelsey in their matchup against Kansas City, tight end Darren Waller had an even bigger day against Eric Rowe. Rowe is credited with allowing completions on 7 of 8 pass attempts for 120 yards last week. Now, the Bills don't have an elite level tight end as Dawson Knox only has 259 yards receiving all year. Rowe should be able to have a decent bounce back game in this one. Now, the Dolphins defense will be up against a fairly tough matchup against this Bills offensive line. Josh Allen has been blitzed more than any quarterback in football, yet has been pressured only on 20% of his dropbacks. That is 23rd in the NFL. He has been sacked 25 times, which is 15th in the league, and he has an average pocket time of 2.6 seconds, which is the third most in the NFL. Now, defensive end Emmanuel Ogba leads the team in sacks with nine, though he began the season extremely hot. He only has one sack in his last six games. Now, linebacker Jerome Baker has been on a tear recently, leading the team in tackles nearly every week, and he has been getting to the quarterback at will. Through the last three games, Jerome Baker has 27 tackles, four and a half sacks, and a forced fumble, so Jerome Baker has been absolutely killing it. Now, we move over and we take a look at the Buffalo Bills in this game. So, we will begin with the Bills offense here. We have a nice little quote. It says, the Bills offense starts with Josh Allen. That is what Jerome Baker said. If indeed that Allen does play, that's exactly how it will go. Allen has snuck into the MVP conversation, but will likely still trail the players like Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes. Nonetheless, the leap that Allen made from his rookie year to his second year was massive, but somehow the leap he made from his second year to his third year may have been even more impressive. Allen has a cannon of an arm and really has polished it a ton this year. Accuracy was Allen's biggest issue, but that seems to be a non-factor more and more with him as time passes. This season, Allen has 4,320 yards passing. That is third in the NFL. His 34 touchdown passes are fifth. His completion percentage is seventh among qualifying quarterbacks, and he has only thrown nine interceptions all year. He has the fifth highest quarterback rating in the NFL. Now, Allen, who has mostly been known as a dual threat quarterback, has slowed down a little bit in terms of running the ball. Physically, he can still do all the same things he did before, but he seems more inclined to stay in the pocket than he did in previous seasons. This year, he has 418 yards rushing and eight touchdowns on the ground. In his previous two years, he combined for over 1,100 yards rushing and 17 touchdowns on the ground. Now, if the Bills elect to rest Josh Allen, Matt Barkley will likely start for the team. Uh, Barkley has 2,535 yards throughout his career, but he has doubled the amount of interceptions over touchdowns with 21 interceptions to only 10 career touchdown passes. Now, receiver Stephon Diggs has catapulted into the elite receiver category this season. The talent was always there as he was always regarded as one of the premier route runners in football. After leaving Minnesota and becoming the undisputed wide receiver one in Buffalo, Diggs in fact made a massive leap. To go over a little bit of what Diggs has done this season, he currently leads the NFL in receptions with 120 and receiving yards with 1,459. He is fifth in catches of 20 plus yards and second in catches of 40 plus yards and he also has the third most receptions for first downs this season. Diggs has 130 yards or more in the last three games. Last week Diggs had three touchdowns 
on top of that. Now, receiver Cole Beasley is having a terrific season as well, as he has a career-high 967 yards this season, but after a leg injury last week, Beasley is considered week-to-week. He did not practice on Wednesday and on Thursday, and the Bills apparently began looking at free agent receiver Kenny Stills to potentially add for depth. So the likelihood of Beasley playing in this game does not seem too high. Now, with receiver John Brown currently uh, on the COVID-19 list and been dealing with injuries, rookie Gabriel Davis is having a pretty bigger role than expected. Davis has 492 yards and six touchdowns so far this season. Now, as for John Brown, it's unknown whether Brown will be able to make it back in time for this game. Brown, who has been dealing with those leg injuries this season, has been able to shred the Dolphins these past couple of years. His last three games read as following against the Dolphins. 82 yards and a touchdown, 137 yards and two touchdowns, and 83 yards and a touchdown. So John Brown, really good against the Dolphins. Now, if the Bills elect to bench Diggs and Beasley, it would mean a larger role for receivers Isaiah McKenzie and potentially special teams guy Andre Roberts. Now, the rushing game hasn't been as good as expected for the Bills running backs. Devin Singletary and Zach Moss have split the carries for the team, with both of them looking solid, but neither being really jaw-dropping. Singletary leads a team in rushing yards with 680 and an average of 4.4 yards per carry. Singletary has not had a game with more than 86 rushing yards this season. Zach Moss has 473 on the year and four touchdowns. Though Moss did miss some time, he's been regarded as underwhelming given that many expected him to be able to secure the starting role from Singletary. So to move on here to the Bills defense, the Bills defense is in the top quarter in blitz percentage, sending a blitz on 37% of their plays. They have applied pressure on 22% of plays, which is in the bottom half of the league, showing that even though the blitz rate is high, the overall success of them is not that frequent. Their 37 sacks is 13th in the NFL. The Bills' 123 missed tackles are the fourth most in all of football, and that is per pro football reference. The Bills' defense is allowing an average depth of target of 6.9 yards, which is the fewest depth in the entire NFL. This shows an ability for the Bills' defense to keep players in front of them and force these short passes. Two of the Bills' losses so far this season have came against high-octane offenses led by Patrick Mahomes and Kyler Murray. Now, despite both quarterbacks being MVP caliber at the time they played them, the story of the game was the ability to run on the Buffalo Bills. The Bills surrendered 247 yards rushing to the Chiefs and 217 to the Cardinals. In their near losses to the Rams and the Patriots, the Rams had 167 yards rushing and New England had 188. The Bills' defense is allowing 4.7 yards per carry, which is fifth most in the NFL. Opposing teams seem to thrive when they are able to keep these games close and keep the running game as a focal point, which is, of course, a challenge given the high-powered nature of this Bills offense. Now, cornerback Tredavious White is the star of this Bills defense, being nominated to his third Pro Bowl this season. White, Howard, and Gilmore are usually heavily debated among fans about who is the best in the NFL. This season, though, Xavier Howard is clearly the leader of the pack, while White is still having a respectable season, just not the absolute blanket that he has been in previous years. Uh, Tredavious White is allowing a completion percentage of 
percent when targeted and a rating of 79.9. Now for some perspective here, Josh Norman is allowing a completion percentage of 69%. Now cornerback Levi Wallace here for the Bills was a liability the last time these two teams faced off. He surrendered 119 yards and a touchdown on nine completions. He was paired up against Mike Gesicki for much of the game and Gesicki was able to take advantage of that mismatch. Now linebackers Matt Milano and Tremaine Edmonds are healthy for this game as both of them missed the week two matchup versus Miami. Their absence in that game was extremely notable as Edmonds is second on the team in tackles currently and Milano is fourth on the team in sacks despite only playing in nine games this season. Linebacker Tremaine Edmonds was selected to the Pro Bowl this season. Despite that though, he is second on the team in tackles with 110 and he has a pro football focus grade of 45, which is not good. Now defensive tackle Ed Oliver is a mauler in the trenches and he leads a team in tackles for a loss with 8.5. Despite only having three sacks, his 17 pressures are second most on the team, showing his value to the team's defensive line. So now we'll move into my expectations for this game. The first one that I have here is that Tungavailoa has a bounce back game. As daunting as the Bills secondary uh, may look, there are a lot of ways this could work into its favor. The Bills secondary seems fine with allowing the short passes to be completed, which is what Tua's game currently revolves around. They also have a ton of missed tackles, meaning that even the shorter passes have the potential to turn into bigger plays. I like the potential of Tua using Bowden Jr. as a safety net and him being able to produce after the catch. The Bills also have big names in that secondary that they could see as too valuable to risk. If some of them sit, Parker and Gasicki could also have some big games here. Now, my next expectation for this game is that the Bills starters don't play the whole game, if at all. Now, Coach Sean McDermott said yesterday when asked if the starters will play that he will do what's best for the team and the players. Now, to me, doing what's best for the team could still mean playing for that second seed. But when he says doing what's best for the players, sounds a bit like he's talking about their health and taking their rest and all that stuff into account. So that is just one expectation that I have. Now, my last expectation for this game is that Devontae Parker has a solid performance here. If the Bills rest certain starters, Tredavious White has a good chance to be one of them. Even if he doesn't, Parker has a surprisingly impressive stat line against the Bills throughout his career. With all the pressure that's on Tua right now to throw down the field, Parker could be the primary beneficiary of him having to take these deeper throws. Now, to get into my keys to the victory here for this game, the first one is to make these key tackles. It's fair to assume, again, if the starters play, that Diggs will now be covered by Xavier Howard. So, assuming Howard can limit Diggs' production, that means that Isaiah McKenzie, Gabriel Davis, and Devin Singletary out of the backfield could have some expanded roles. With McKenzie and Singletary in particular, they are capable of making guys miss and turning small catches into big gains. Now, while I don't expect anybody outside of Stephon Diggs and John Brown, you know, again, if the starters play, uh, to be testing the Dolphins deep, they could be looking to turn these small completions into big gains uh, if the Dolphins aren't making these key tackles. So, my last key to the victory here is to establish the running game. The Dolphins receiver unit is already a weak one, and the Bills secondary is pretty good, so making the defense respect the run game will be especially crucial here. Chipping away at this Bills defense with the running game may be the recipe 
for success here. And that, again, will not only fall on the offense and the offensive line and the running backs, but it will also fall on the defense's ability to slow down Buffalo and keep the game close enough where the Dolphins can utilize this run game for the duration of this game. So, guys, that is how I'm going to wrap it up. As always, if you'd like to follow me on Twitter, you can do so. That is at ShadySteven and at via the source. I appreciate all the follows there. Guys, if you enjoyed the episode, if you could leave a review on the Apple Podcast app, that would uh, go a long way and I would greatly appreciate it. As always, a big thank you for my uh, supporters and the guys who show love on Twitter. You guys are awesome. But guys, that is how I'm going to wrap it up. It was a pleasure to be your host. Until next time, I'm Steve Amasso and this was Via the Source.